Well, good morning, Purpose Church. How you feeling? You guys look good. Feel good. This is um, this is pretty humbling. It's pretty awesome. I, I agree with Amy. I, I I haven't really had that like joy for Christmas in a while, and not because I don't love Christmas. I love what it means and represents. But you know, like the like the little kid giddy. You know, uh, I went to bed last night giddy. Pastor John, who's going to be here next week preaching, called me last night and and uh, I just FaceTimed and opened the phone and he just gave me that look like, and, um, and we just had this moment, we laughed together and then we cried together and, and, uh, and I, I just, uh, I'm just humbled by what God is doing in us and through us and, uh, and I would, uh, I'd be a fool if I took any of the credit, it's all uh, because of his will and his purpose and uh, this is a testimony of that and uh, it's a beautiful day uh, to be a son or daughter of the king and uh, Purpose Church, together today, we are doing something for the first time. And uh, that is a really humbling and incredible feeling. And I'm thankful for all of you. And as I shared in our team huddle, uh, you are all a part of our past. You are absolutely, without question, even if you're a guest here today, a part of our present. My prayer is that together we will be a part of God's purpose and future for our city and our community. In Jesus' name, amen. And so here's what I thought was going to happen today. Today I thought, well, it's a new season. We're stepping into a new home, and I'd start a new series. Well, that's not exactly how the Lord desired for us to do that. And so instead, I am going to do what I am now calling Vision Sunday Continued Series, and I'm going to do the third week of that series because I didn't realize it was going to be a series until this past week. And, uh, and if you've been uh, with us over the last few weeks, we've been on this journey of kind of recalibrating who we are as a church and what our vision is. And it's fitting that, that we'll continue that because we haven't changed. Our home might have changed a little bit. And so really quickly, let me uh, read to you this text that kind of inspired this whole journey that we've been on together. It's in the book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, you can follow along on the single screen behind me. It says this in uh, verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Somebody say press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straighting towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for us this morning as we're encouraged in the word. Lord, I pray that your word today would be a lamp unto our feet, that it would be a light unto our path. I pray that it would speak to each of us individually and that it would awaken us as your church. It would nourish us as your sons and daughters so that we might and we continue to live according to your will and purpose for our life, not just today, but for every day going forward. In your name we pray, amen. And so as I stated over the last several weeks, I, I thought, for, to be honest with you, I was just going to preach one, one message on one Sunday and call it Vision Sunday. And then if you were uh, here with us last week, I, I felt the Lord encouraged me to share with you how we arrived at the recalibration of our vision. And, and, and I encouraged us in this, this statement that I heard, keep going, you're doing a good job. 
And it's really been uh, important for us as we've learned and discovered who we are as a church to, to also take a step back and reflect that there's a lot of new faces in the room. Some of you know us really, really well. Some of us, you, we've been doing life in other arenas for some time, and some of you are relatively new to Purpose Church. And, and so what I kind of really discovered in all that is that this was not only an opportunity to recalibrate around our vision, but it was kind of like having a welcome home party for everyone all at the same time over the course of a few weeks. Some of you have asked us, like, what's the mission of the church? What's the purpose of the church? What's the values of the church? What do we stand for? What do we believe in? And and all of those things are really, really important. But if there's ever a doubt, we can always resort, resort back to Scripture. We are fundamentally, theologically, and spiritually passionate about making the Word of God the most powerful, the most important, and the most guiding light in our life. So just to reiterate what our vision is, in case you don't know that, it is to help you know Jesus and to help you discover that he, in fact, has a purpose for your life. It's specific. It's unique. It's beautiful. It's special. Each of us are called for a purpose. But to get specific, what we've discovered, as Paul is saying in this text, he's saying, I press on. And so what we discovered about pressing on is that he is calling himself and he's calling us and he's teaching us to press on, which means to put to flight, to earnestly pursue, to make publicly known the good news, which is Jesus. That's it. He says, I press on. I'm putting to flight. I want to earnestly pursue. I want to make publicly known the good news, which is Jesus. And, and, it, and it caused me to think about a question. If, if you don't know me, you know that, that I like questions. I like questions. Anybody like questions? You like questions? I just want to encourage you that if you do need to go to the restroom, it's okay. I won't be offended. They are here to the right and to the left. Ladies on the right, men's to the left, just in case you were wondering. I know Amy said that, but some people were probably like... Will it be an interruption? No, we're family. This is just like everyone sitting at the dinner table together. The question that that, that I started to consider this week is how do we press on? How do we put to flight? How how do we earnestly pursue? How how do we make Jesus publicly known? Well, there's all kinds of ways, and and we can go around telling people. We can can obviously share it in a small group setting. We we can do all kinds of different things, but it dawned on me that that, that there's some things that Paul specifically talks about in that text that I think will help us maybe even sharpen that that pencil just a little bit better. Notice how Paul says in, in, in our text in verse 12, he says, I have not arrived at my goal. I've not arrived at my goal. And then in verse 14, he says, he says it again. He says, I press on towards the goal. I haven't arrived at my goal, so therefore I press on toward the goal. Which then poses another question. What's the goal? What do we think Paul is, 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 is speaking to here? Well, well, let's turn to the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I think he, he starts to help us to, to identify and understand what it is that he's referring to when he says, I, I have not arrived at my goal and I press on towards the goal. This is what he says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of Service, for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity 
in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So in short, the goal could be summarized as this, perfect unity in Christ. Perfect unity in Christ. Particularly, the, the book of Ephesians is, is, is one of my favorites. And the reason for that is because I've discovered that in Ephesians, I think Paul would basically say the summarization of the book of Ephesians is to teach us and to show you the importance of being in Christ because he references over 20 sometimes in the book or in the letter. So it's evident to me that Paul is, is really committed to and focused on, on ensuring that, that we teach and that we reach the goal. And the goal is perfect unity in Christ. In other words, we must equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ, which is us, may be built up so that they, who are they, those who don't know Jesus might come to know him and as a result be grafted into the body of Christ and therefore find perfect unity in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. You with me? So what Paul is saying is I, I, I press on toward the goal. The goal is to equip his people for the works of service so that we achieve perfect unity in fellowship with Christ. In fellowship with Christ. Another way that Paul states the goal, or a way he teaches us to press on towards the goal, he shows us in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. You don't have to turn to it. You can follow on the screen, but just take a note of it. 5 and 13. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom. He's talking to this, 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 this counterbalance between living in the flesh and living in the spirit. So again, even in Galatians, he's talking about living in Christ, living in relationship with him, and as a result, learning how to keep in step or walk with the Spirit. And so in this case, he's saying, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Actually, that sounded really good. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. I was just trying to imagine like how he would say that in different contexts and cultures. Sorry, is that too far? I'm just But he says, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. In other words, don't use your freedom for worldliness or selfishness. Instead, use your freedom, watch this, to serve one another in love. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. So he's saying pressing on towards the goal isn't about using our freedom we now have in Christ to satisfy our worldly pleasures or selfish desires. It's not like walking around and going, well, my daddy owns the place, so I can do what I want. Come on, we've all been there. Yeah, you know, like when you were growing up, like you had the my daddy comp- yeah, competition. Well, my daddy, well, my, my daddy was in the military, so he'll get all his military buddies, and they'll just come and blow you all up. <laughs> well, my daddy works for the sheriff's office, he'll just get, and all, you know, you just go back and forth. That's not what Paul's saying. He said we can't just go around using our freedom that we now have as a son and daughter of Christ co-heirs of the, of the throne to just satisfy our own personal selfish desires. Instead, we have to use our freedom to serve one another in love. To serve one another in love. Which brings me to our mission. Our mission is simply this, to serve our community in love. 
That's our mission. Our vision is to know Jesus and discover his purpose. Our mission is to serve our community in love. And, and as I thought back over the years, I've been doing a lot of reflecting. This, this season has obviously created a lot of room for me to, to just spend some time reflecting. And for those of you who don't know our full story, we'd love to sit down and have a coffee with you and share it. But, but this journey to this moment started about eight years ago. And in that season, when we were first called into this community to begin to pastor and to lead and to figure out what the heck God was calling us to do, I was reflecting back on just the things that we have learned and, and the moments that we've had. And, 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 and for whatever reason, this has always stuck with me, but the very first message I ever preached, the very first message I ever preached, God began to remind me of that message and what I realized is that that message became a characteristic of our church. It, it, it became what some might call a core value of our church. Yet, here's the thing. It was never something that we displayed on the hallway. It, it's not something we printed or posted on a little card and handed to you on your way out. It was something that people said of us. It was something that people knew of us. It was something that people recognized of us. And I realized that in this season, it's something that I want to restate and I want to always be known for and I want to always do. The message title of, of that particular message was simply this, leave them better. It's the very first message we ever preached. Leave them better. The premise of the message was simply everywhere we go, be sure that you leave whoever, wherever, whatever you're doing better than you found it. To take that a step further, it was to simply identify that it's not the you in you that leaves people better. It's not the you in you that leaves places better. It's not the you in you that leaves situations or circumstances better. But rather, it's the Christ in you that has the power to leave them better. The Christ in you that leaves them better. And what I've discovered in these last few months and maybe over the last couple years as we've been leaning in and, and stepping out again and, and leading Purpose Church, we've discovered that it's in the learning to become disciples of Jesus and belief and practice. We've, we've discovered that it's in the fruit of the Spirit that is now maturing in us as we learn to keep in step with the Spirit. It's when we excel in our faith, our speech, our knowledge, and our generous giving. It's in our willingness to be present to the moments that God presents to each of us every day that will in fact, ready, Leave them better everywhere we go. Man, there's a song I want to sing right now, but I know if I do, it's just not every little place. Sorry. Yeah, you know. Every little city. But it's, it's not appropriate. And I just, even saying it now, I feel like I've got to repent. I'll be on the altar call later if anybody wants to join me. It's when we start to discover and learn and grow and mature in this thing that we call Christ-likeness that will and has left people, places, and spaces better than we found it. Okay, so I've been asking a lot of questions, self-reflecting. Let me offer a question that I've asked myself that I'd also like to offer you to consider. When you leave a meeting, when you leave a venue... When you leave a class, when you leave a practice, when you leave your neighborhood, or you move somewhere else, do you leave it better than you found it? Do you leave it better than you found it? S 
just letting that marinate a little bit. This past week, the Lord showed me that just how vitally important our mission as a church is. How vitally important. And I want you to understand that it's, it's really important to understand we cannot place a timeline on living out our mission. We won't know when a seed is planted, when it takes root, when it's watered enough, and when it will finally sprout. We just don't know. Which is why it's really important for us to remember what Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians. He says, for some water and some plant, but it is, in fact, God who does the growing. We just water and plant. We're just scattering seed. We're just scattering seed. We're just scattering seed. But it's not for us to determine the timeline. It's up to us to trust that God will, in fact, grow the seed. But as a result, over the last several weeks, and in particular this week, the Lord had showed me why and how vitally important our mission as a church is. And, and, it, and it happened last Sunday, as a matter of fact, when this kind of, this, I guess if you want to call it a spiral of thoughts or reflection started to happen. We're sitting in a restaurant after church last Sunday, which was our last gathering in our old facility, Rome. And I get this text message um, from a, a guy who I met six years ago. Been friends with them or cordial friends, acquaintances. Everyone's my friend, okay? So everyone knows that, right? Some of you are naturally just here because we became friends somewhere along the line. But I get this text message from a guy who I met six years ago, and over the course of time, we just stayed connected. And he happened to be a, a, a general manager of a pretty predominant restaurant group that I'm friends with as well in the community. And, and I got this text message, and he says, hey, I, I just didn't know where else to turn. But I've been going through a really difficult season, and a friend of mine encouraged me to reconnect with my faith, and the only person I could think of about was you. Would you be free to grab a coffee this week? Yes. I don't share that to boast or brag. I don't want any of the credit. I just simply share that with you to help you to understand that the timeline isn't always going to be in our time, but it will always be in God's time. I was reminded yet again why our mission is so critical when there's a, a gentleman who happens to be a part of our community who's probably gone through maybe the most difficult set of circumstances I've ever personally helped walk somebody through. To the point in which this past couple weeks he started to see glimmers of hope by ways of somebody else in our community extending a job opportunity for him so that he can get on to the next season of his healing and continue to see that God is good. We can't determine God's timeline for somebody's healing, but if we just keep watering and just keep planting and we all together come together to serve one another in love, we might just see healing take place in somebody's life. It was... It was revealed to me that earlier this week, somebody in our community was going through a season of need and somebody else in our church went and met that neighbor's need. They're not gonna get, they don't want recognition for it. We just heard wind of it and we just get to celebrate in heaven with them that they were willing to fulfill the mission that God's given us as a church even when they didn't know fully that that's what they were doing. I was reminded that, that this past week when 25 members of our purpose team showed up on Tuesday night to help begin to understand how to set this place up and prepare a place for you and I to come and worship together. And I walked around the campus on Tuesday night just borderline in tears, humbled by the number of people who have not only been touched, but thinking about the number of people who will be touched because we're willing to use our time, our talent, and our treasure to serve the body of Christ. I was also reminded on Tuesday when I sat down with the guys at Rome and, 
and they were uh, celebrating how well we left the space. Not just physically left the space. Like, we definitely left it better than we found it. But what they went on to say is how our church has impacted their space. They thanked us that in a year, in years past where it was really difficult, we were able to continue to meet and gather as a church, which sustained them financially to ensure that they didn't have to close a place. We didn't know that. We were just humbled and thankful that we had a place to meet and call it church. We can never, we can never fully know what God is doing, but we can always be committed to serving our community in love. And that's why and how the Lord showed me our mission in action. I want to be very clear, though, when we talk about our mission to serve our community in love, we're not just talking about serving it in here on Sundays. It's helpful. It's amazing to have people who are passionate about using their gifts to help us create a place and a space for people to come to know Jesus and discover his purpose. We will never take that for granted. If you've got something that you want to offer the church and use it in a way that will glorify God, by all means, sign up. We'd love to have you. But it is not limited to in here. We are not going to be a church that's exclusive to using your gifts just in here. But rather, we're also talking about the everyday opportunities that God has uniquely designed for us, you and I, to serve our community in love out there. Out there. And what we, what we identify that as is our ability to go out there to bring the light and life of Jesus to the darkest places of our community. Out there. Light's here. The question is, can we take what we've experienced here, what we've encountered here, and take it out there? Can we take what we've encountered in our discipleship groups and take it out there? Can we take what we've experienced and, and encountered through Alpha out there? Can, can we take what we've encountered through a passing conversation with somebody who's just deposited a seed of hope in us out there? Can we be faithful to use it in a way in which we could serve our community in love? Note to self, there's no clocks. Take a note. <laughs> just be, I'm just, you know, squirrel, sorry. I'm like looking around, I'm looking around, I'm looking around. My clock's not on my computer screen, no clocks. And I believe the way in which we, we do this, the way in which we serve our community love, is by being willing to, to take the light and life of Jesus that we've encountered out there and trust that if we show up to the places and spaces he's called and purposed us to go, it will in fact defeat darkness, whether you realize it or not. I remember sitting down with Franz, we were having coffee at Halcyon one time and we were actually talking about this very subject. We we're talking about the ability to sit in a coffee shop and just two friends having a conversation that was very encouraging and every time you get together with Franz, you're laughing hysterically. I just go to him to get a six pack. I don't even have to go to the gym anymore. And I said, but like this conversation, man, we're just sitting here. We're not on a pedestal preaching. We don't even have our Bibles out. But the joy of the Lord is present at this table. And that joy has the ability to plant seeds of joy for somebody else who just happened to walk by. And we don't even know whether or not this is true. But we could believe that that joy might be the very joy that they needed for the day that changed their entire trajectory of their life. What, what, what it means to serve our community in love is not when it's convenient. 
Really what it means is to serve our community love in what we would call an agape anyway spirit. Agape anyway is the agape love, which is simply sacrificial. It's what Jesus demonstrated on the cross for you and I. He was willing to sacrifice his life so that you and I would experience love in a really deep and meaningful way. It's the kind of love that's not always convenient. And at times means that we have to go out of our ways or make ourselves available to others like Christ did for you and for me. If you read throughout Scripture, you constantly see Jesus having more impact in his ministry in the the along-the-way moments where the disciples were constantly trying to rush him on because they had an order of service to keep. Jesus, we're going to be late for our next appointment. He's like, no, 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 I'm right where I need to be. And as a result, he was inconvenienced so that he could make himself available. and, And guess what happened? Their life was transformed. So I want to challenge us as a church to continue to bring the light and life of Jesus by serving our community in love. Not just in here, but out there. When we walk the halls of our schools or we walk the halls of our offices, when we show up at the grocery store at a coffee shop, when we're sitting around the table and we just think it's us, you know, just us guys and we just start to begin to talk about somebody that's not present in the room. I'm speaking to myself, y'all. Listen, I, I'm, just, I'm the first one to jump on the gossip wagon. I can do that quick. I, there's a particular person that just anytime the name comes up, like I'm all in. Like, boop, I'll have something to ask the Lord for forgiveness later. I'm just going in. But that's not how we serve our community in love. Last Sunday, I shared a story with you about how I, I met somebody up in Blue Ridge, and somebody in, in our church was like, Pastor, I don't know how you do that. How do you make friends out of complete strangers? I, I don't know, man. It's just a gift. I didn't start and stop at the same, high, at the same school uh, until my sophomore year in high school. So maybe that's part of why I'm able to just blend in and meet people and become friends with them. That's just my gift. But what it helped me to understand is that some people think, well, if you can't do it the way I do it, then you're not able to serve our community in love the same way. You might not be able to make friends out of strangers like me. And that's okay. It's perfectly okay. But it doesn't mean you're not uniquely gifted to serve. Don't ever for a second undervalue or devalue your gifts or, or the way you think or the way that you live your life in a manner of serving people. It matters. And let me show you what I mean. 1 Peter 4 in verse 8 through 10. It's a benchmark scripture for us. Always has been. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Agape love. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What Peter's saying here is that each of us has been given a grace gift to be used to serve one another. A gift to serve. What's, fit, what's fascinating to me is that the word serve is the Greek word for di- diakono. I, I know, I'm not a scholar. It means to serve or to minister. Often people come to me and they talk to me about their ministry. Like, well, how can I use my ministry at your church? You can't. You can use your ministry out there where it's needed. Well, what do you mean? Well, what do you want to do? Pray for people. Great. Well, then go pray for people out there. What do you want to do? Oh, I want to greet people. Great. Well, greet them every time you walk into a restaurant. 
What do you want to do? I want to have a small group. Great. Go invite a couple of your friends and have breakfast with them once a month. What, what do you mean? Your ministry isn't defined by what you can do in here. Your ministry is defined by the way God's designed you to use your gifts so that we can collectively go into the place and spaces we are each uniquely designed to go and serve our community in love. It means to care for the needs of others as the Lord guides in active and practical ways. Oh, it really is that simple. In other words, each of us have been given a gift or a grace gift. And that gift is designed to be used to serve or minister to one another in a practical way. In an active and practical way. It's not sitting around in your living room going, well, I just hope some people will come over for dinner. Meanwhile, you haven't invited a single person. I just hope the neighbor, my neighbor gets the drift, like I'm friendly. No, that's probably not your gift. That's okay. You should get back down on your knees and pray, Lord, what is my gift? It, it, let me just say this. It, 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 it has always been my conviction, okay, that the very thing Jesus has rescued you out of or healed you from or restored in your life is often and almost always directly connected to the grace that he's placed on your life, which is also then connected to the very gifts he's placed in your life. I'm a recovering drug addict. If you've never been around a drug before in your life, it's unlikely that you're going to be able to have a conversation with a drug addict. That's not something you should be offended by. And if you can, great, let's sit down and talk about it. That's just a fact. But that doesn't mean that you're not qualified to go and serve people in love some other way and in some other capacity. Some of us have been through a significant marriage strife. And as a result, God has healed and restored our marriage. And now there's a grace on our marriage to enable us to sit at a table with a marriage who is not currently going well so that we can bring light and life to it in a manner that will glorify the Lord. Some of us have estranged children that have found a way to reconnect with our children and they are now serving the Lord with their whole heart. And now as a result, God's graced your life to be able to sit with somebody who's going through a difficult season where their child's estranged and you're praying for them and with them, but also advising them as they navigate through this season of life. It may not be to make friends out of strangers, but it, but it may be able to help a neighbor who is in need. It may be able to offer a word of encouragement to a friend. It may be able to show up when somebody's going through the worst season of their life and just sit in their living room and cry with them. It may be willing to take a call in the middle of the night when somebody's at the end of themselves and not sure what to do. It may just be to show up at a restaurant and hug every person that you, walk, that you see when you walk in. It may be in your way that you go out this afternoon for lunch and instead of ignoring the hostess or ignoring the barista, actually engaging with them and having eye contact with them and shaking their hands or giving them a high five or asking them their name or asking them how long they've been working here or what's their favorite cup of coffee or what's their favorite thing on the menu. That's it. That's all you got to do. You don't have to leave a weird note that says praying for you that you'll meet Jesus. Don't do that. Pray on your way home that the Lord would deposit a seed of hope on them and that he would then begin to grow that seed as if we just had an encounter. I have, to, I have to tell you this, that God has uniquely gifted you to serve our community in love. In here and out there, in ways that I can't. But together, we can press on towards the goal. 
We can, we can strain towards the goal and reach perfect unity in Christ by the way we each serve our community in love. By simply committing and desiring to leave them better. Leave them better. Remember, if Jesus is our vision, that I find it fascinating that he is the one who said of himself in Matthew 20 and 28, and Steve, you can come. He says this, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many, paying the price to set them free from the penalty of sin. Jesus didn't come to be ministered to, he came to minister to. He didn't come to be cared for, but to care for. He didn't come to be set free, but to set us free. Not just from sin, but also the penalty of sin. What did Jesus do? He came to serve us in love. And as a result, He's left us better. He's left us better. His life, which is light, invaded our darkness, overcame it, and changed everything. He left them better. He left me better. He wants to leave you better. Will you stand with me this morning, church? Our mission, our mission is to serve our community in love. But before we have a rallying cry to that end, I, I thought I'd ask this question. And I'd love, I'd love it if you would just please close your eyes for just a moment, just to honor this, this moment and to, and to give room for what the, I think the Lord wants to do here. That's why we do it. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever been served in love? Everyone pause for a moment. We're not going to move around. If you could just hold for just a second. Give me three minutes. Have you ever served in love? Unconditional. Life-changing. Sin-forgiving. Where the penalty of those sins was paid for in full. So that you can be free. From the shame. From the guilt. And from the weight of those sins kind of love. Have you been served in love? Every eye closed. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, Jesus himself says this. He says, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burdened by your guilt and shame? He says, come to me. And I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. I'll give you Shiloh. I'll give you Shalom. Every eye closed. Who is that here this morning? Who's never been served in love? Who's never experienced unconditional, life-changing, sin-forgiving, paying for the penalty in full so that you can be free of the shame, the guilt, and the weight kind of love? Who's that this morning? Can I just ask you, just really, really bravely, right where you're standing, we just lift your hand, right, right where you are. And say, that's me, Pastor. I've never been served in that kind of love. Just right where you are. Beautiful. Beautiful. Anyone else? Anyone else? 
Who needs to, who needs to be loved that way? Who needs their shame and their guilt forgiven? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to wait one more moment. Two brave people raise their hand. Not to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to identify that this is a moment between you and the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Church, let's say this prayer together. For those of you who raise your hand, I want you to, I want you to say this prayer. And I want, as you say it, I want you to imagine a love being lavished on you. I want you to imagine the love of God restoring you. I want you to imagine the love of God replacing your guilt and your shame with forgiveness, with peace, with Shiloh. So let's say this together, church, and let's stand in agreement with those who raise their hand. Jesus, thank you for serving me in love, for laying your life down for me. Forgive me of anything that I have done that have kept me from following you. Today, I invite you into my life. Wash over me. Lavish me with your love that forgives and forgets and removes my shame and my guilt with peace in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Hey, if you raised your hand right after church, I'd love to personally just hug you, stand with you, and help you take that next step as you want to follow Jesus. For the rest of us, let me read to you the scripture, and then we're going to close with a song of praise. Paul tells us in Timothy 2, 4, and 5, he says, work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. I want to challenge us to be the church that presses on, that puts to flight, that makes Jesus publicly known. I want us to be the church that knows Jesus and has discovered that he does, in fact, have a purpose for our life. I want us to be the church that continues to leave people better than we found them. I want us to be a church that serves our community in here and out there. And so today, I want us to declare with a song of praise that we are going to be that church, that from this day forward, our eyes are fixed on Jesus, our hope is in him, and that every person we come in contact with is a God-ordained opportunity to leave them better than we found it so that it could be said of us that we were faithful in serving our community in love because Christ so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that you and I could experience freedom but you and I can partner with heaven to bring unity to our entire community only by the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's sing a song of praise.